good day and welcome to the ProAssurance third quarter 2012 earnings conference call. Today's conference is being recorded. For opening remarks and introductions, I will now turn the call over to Mr. Frank O'Neill. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Troy, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for your interest and participation in our call to discuss the third quarter 2012 results of ProAssurance. Please bear with me for a second while I handle some of the important legal matters. On Tuesday, November 6, 2012, we issued a news release reporting our results for the quarter and nine months ended September 30, 2012, subsequently filed an 8K and our third quarter 2012 10Q with the SEC. These documents and our other SEC filings provide important information about our company and our industry as they discuss in detail many important factors that could affect the outcome of future events and thus cause our actual results to differ materially from current projections or expectations. Please read and understand these cautions and be aware that statements we make on this call today dealing with projections, estimates, expectations, and such are explicitly identified as forward-looking statements subject to these and other risks. Except as required by law or regulation, we will not undertake and expressly disclaim any obligation to update or alter information disclosed as a part of these forward-looking statements. The content of this call is accurate only on Wednesday, November 7, 2012. We don't authorize or review any transcripts you may obtain, so please know that those transcripts may contain factual or transcription errors that could materially alter the intent or meaning of this call. And a final item, we're going to reference today non-GAAP items in our call. Please refer to our recent filing on Form 10-Q and our recent news release for a reconciliation of these non-GAAP numbers to their GAAP counterparts. Participating in today's call are our Chairman and CEO, Stan Starnes, Chief Financial Officer, Ned Rand, Howard Friedman, our Chief Underwriting Officer and Actuary, Daryl Thomas, our Chief Claims Officer, and Dick Adamo, our Vice Chairman, Stan, we'll look to you for some opening remarks. Thanks, Frank. Before we begin, I want to mention the difficulties visited by Hurricane Sandy on many of our insureds in the Northeast, as well as upon so many of the people we are privileged to deal with on the investor, banking, and reinsurance side of our business. Many of you were kind enough to reach out to us after the severe tornado outbreak in Alabama in 2011 and we want you to know that our thoughts are with you today. We are already reaching out to assist our insurers who may have suffered damage to their practice by helping them deal with lost or compromised records and other consequences of the disaster. If any of our affected policyholders or their agents are participating in today's call, let me urge you to call our underwriting and risk management departments as soon as you can so that we may be of assistance in your recovery. Our results in the third quarter were strong and solid. We believe our ability to operate profitably in a challenging market is the result of the long-term approach we take to this business. We continue to demonstrate the wisdom of maintaining underwriting and pricing discipline and ensuring that we effectively differentiate our product. With that combination, we are maintaining our profitability and delivering value to both our insureds and our investors. We are pleased to talk with you about our results, so Frank, let's get started. Thanks, Stan. We're going to start today with Howard, since underwriting and reserving questions have been high on the list of investor interest. Howard? Thanks, Frank. I'll start with the general state of the market. We are finding profitable, 
profitable business to write and renew at rates we believe will maintain our margins. The market remains quite competitive, but as we have been saying all year, the degree of com competition varies from state to state and is not at the overall level we have seen in previous soft markets. We continue to see rates firming a bit in some lines, such as podiatry, where changes in the scope of treatment is driving pricing. We also see firming continue in our lawyers' professional liability line of business. But the bottom line is that the core physician and hospital markets are going to remain competitive given the ongoing favorable loss environment. Average renewal pricing in our physician book was up 2% in the third quarter compared to the same quarter a year ago. There are a number of factors in play, but this is primarily due to higher rates in the podiatric line in which renewals are concentrated in the third quarter. Premium retention in the third quarter was 89% in our physician book of business, unchanged from the same quarter in 2011. Premium retention for the year is 90%, up a point from the first three quarters of 2011. I do want to echo Stan's opening remarks by emphasizing our dedication to writing only the business that supports our profitability targets and to walking away from business that would not appear to meet those targets. As we said, you can have all the top-line growth you want if you're willing to pay the price down the line. And we're confident that our path to continuing profitability does not point in that direction. I can also touch on reserve development. Net favorable loss reserve development was $50 million in the quarter. For the year, net favorable development was $157.5 million, which is about $15 million higher than the nine-month period in 2011. As in prior quarters, our favorable development is being driven by the continuation of loss severity levels that have proved to be better than our expectations. Right now, severity is increasing 3% to 4% a year, and there has been no change in frequency, which has been flat for the past few years. In analyzing the loss environment, we therefore see nothing representing a major change in overall loss trends and we note that losses are not unduly concentrated in any one specialty or location. As a result, our 2012 accident year loss ratio selection remains consistent, adjusted for changes in the mix of business. Frank? Thanks, Howard. Uh, with that background, let's look to Ned to see how that played out in the results. Thank you, Frank. I'll be focusing on the quarter and mentioning the nine-month period ended September 30th, where it helps to put the quarter into context. Gross premiums written were $157 million, a decline of $18 million over last year's third quarter. We continue to see the effects of the competitive market Howard mentioned, and for the nine months, the impact of the two-year policies we detailed last quarter. In the quarter, net premiums earned for $127 million versus $135 million in the year-ago quarter. The difference there is 6%. Our net investment results increased this quarter compared to last year's third quarter and the first two quarters of this year. This was the result of a substantial increase in unrealized gains in our unconsolidated subsidiaries. Net investment income is the primary component of our net investment result and is essentially flat compared to this time last year. This is reflective of our decision to put more of our capital work and investments outside our core fixed income allocation and is an indication that we've been able to slow the rate of decline in our portfolio as we face continuing low interest rate environments. In the quarter, we added additional dividend-paying equities and increased our high-yield investment allocation. As a reminder, anything other than investment-grade fixed income is considered other for our portfolio, 
And that allocation, although higher now than in past quarters, is still less than 15% of our $4 billion portfolio. Underwriting, policy acquisition, and operating expenses declined 5% quarter over quarter. I mention that because it ticked up last quarter due to higher employee and benefit costs, and I wanted to be sure you noted that it was back down this quarter. So our total expenses for the quarter were down 7%, but due to the decline in net earned premium, our expense ratio did not show a similar decline. Our cash flows were affected by the timing of several large loss payments relating to claims that have been in the pipeline for a number of years. The timing of loss payments is highly variable, and we do not feel this represents an emerging trend. It's also worth noting that a meaningful percentage of these large payments will ultimately be recovered from reinsurers. The bottom line for the quarter was solid, as Stan mentioned. Net income was $60 million, or $1.94 per diluted share, and operating income was $53 million, or $1.71 per diluted share. Return on equity, which we calculate by dividing annualized net income by the average of beginning and ending shareholders' equity, was 10.4%, one and a half points higher than the third quarter 2011. For the year, our ROE is 10.3%, essentially equal to last year's nine-month number. Our focus on the bottom line goes hand-in-hand with our dedication to building book value, which stands at $76.47 on September 30th, up 8% so far this year. Tangible book value is $69.64 per share. I briefly mentioned capital management earlier in discussing investments. Allocating greater capital to investments other than investment-grade fixed income is just one of the ways we are putting our capital to work. In the third quarter, we used $53 million to pay off all of our long-term debt. We recognized a book loss of $2.2 million as a part of the debt retirement, something we mentioned last quarter. Our management team and the board are constantly reviewing our capital position to ensure that we are being good stewards of the money entrusted to us. We continue to identify M&A as the preferred use for that capital, but I can assure you nothing is off the table, and our board is considering all options. Frank? Thanks, Ned. Vic, please update us on the status of the transactions involving MedMark and Independent Nevada Doctors Insurance Exchange. Happy to, Frank. Both transactions are on track. On October 29th, the subscribers of Independent Nevada Doctors Insurance Exchange overwhelmingly approved the merger into ProAssurance. The next step is a regulatory hearing scheduled on November 27th in front of the Nevada Insurance Department. At that hearing, we hope to gain final approval and then close the Nevada transaction shortly thereafter during 2012. At Medmark, the merger approval documents have been mailed to policyholders for their vote at a special meeting to be held on December 4th. The required regulatory hearing will be held tomorrow in Vermont. Assuming all goes as planned, we, closed, we, we plan to close the Medmark transaction effective January 1st of 2013. Working on transition and integration is somewhat limited by the law at this point in time, but we are confident that the integration will go smooth. Medmark will remain a distinct business unit given its unique line of business, and the Nevada company will be part of our core physician surgeon operations, and we will look to our new Nevada staff to take the lead in serving the doctors of that state. Thanks, Vic. Let me give everybody a general tort update. In last quarter's call, we mentioned Missouri Supreme Court's ruling striking down the $350,000 limit on non-economic damages there. Just a few weeks after that Missouri decision, the Supreme Court in Kansas, next door to Missouri, upheld the $250,000 non-economic, non-economic damage cap there. This is a great reminder that this is a state-by-state business where local presence is just as important as financial strength and geographic reach. 
Stan, we'll now look to you for final questions before, or final comments before we take questions. Thanks, Frank. As I've said to many of you many times, ProAssurance is not a quarter-to-quarter -quarter company. In many ways, we're not even a year-to-year -year company. By that, I mean we are focused more on our bottom line and how that strengthens us for the future than we are on achieving certain results each quarter, though good quarterly results often flow from a sound long-term strategy. After all, the solid results we report to you today were formed in part by actions we took years in the past. We understand the discipline needed to build a company such as ProAssurance, one that has the balance sheet strength to protect its policyholders, and the knowledge and experience to evolve to meet the changing needs, while at the same time achieving the results that create long-term value for our shareholders. There is simply no substitute for that discipline and we are not going to waver from it. I will admit it would be easy to lower our prices and build market share so we could say that we are the largest. One could write all of the premium you want, but in this of our environment, it would ultimately put the company at risk. After all, in this business, lasting strength comes from capital, not premium. We remain convinced that the market will turn, as it always has. And when that day comes, the companies that are competing today on price alone will have a day of reckoning, and unfortunately, so will their insureds. We do not intend to let that happen to ProAssurance or our insureds or our investors. The course we are following has been successful across the insurance cycles since our founding as a mutual company in the 70s, and it will continue to serve us and you quite well. Frank? Thank you, Stan. I'll tell you, we're uh, done with our prepared remarks and ready for questions. Great. At this time, if you have a question, please press star and one on your touchtone phone. You may withdraw yourself from the queue at any time by pressing the pound key. Again, at star and one to ask a question. And we'll go first to the site of Matt Carletti. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Uh, before I, uh, you know, first things first, Stan, congrats on the, uh, the big win in Baton Rouge last weekend and wish you luck this weekend. It was a great time, wasn't it? <laughs> um, and uh, just a couple questions. Um, you know, first is uh, following up on Ned's comments on uh, excess capital. Um, could you just give a little more color on, you know, one, um, what your views are on, on special dividends given that your stock trades at a premium to book value and, and the operating leverage is low, and two, if the, uh, the results of the election last evening um, impacts that view or, or the timing of that view? No, uh, I'll let Ned respond in just a second, Matt. But let me let me just mention this: our our board looks at our capital situation, uh, without exception, at every meeting. And Ned can sort of talk through with you the ways we think about capital and the ways that that we strive to make the best use of our capital uh, for our shareholders. I can say this to you: that uh, the board will look at everything. Everything is on the table, uh, and the board will make a decision uh, based on the long-term best interest of our shareholders and the long-term execution of our business plan. Now, with that, let me let Ned give you some of the parameters that we look at in terms of share buybacks and that sort of thing. Hey, Matt. Um, just to, to follow up on a couple of Stan's comments, when we're thinking about the, the capital that we have available to deploy in our business, we really kind of think about it in, in, in a number of places. And certainly our, our preferred way to put that capital to work is in M&A and in organic growth in our operations. And 
you see that in the transactions that Vic mentioned with MedMark and Index. Um, we did pay down our debt this quarter, uh, which we think was a, was a good use of some of the excess capital that we hold. And as I mentioned in my, my prepared comments, um, we are taking some additional measures in our investment portfolio to put some of that capital to work. Uh, but we do believe that it is prudent at the right time to return capital to, to shareholders, and historically we've done that in share buybacks. And as we've stated in the past, uh, when we see our share price fall below our stated book value, we'll be aggressive buyers of that stock. Um, above book value, we have bought stock, but we, we tend to be a little more cautious in doing so. To your specific question about a special dividend, I guess, first off, I don't think the election changes anything from our perspective on, on the way we manage capital. So in answer to that question, no, there's really no impact. Um, special dividend we see as one of the potential tools we have available to us and, and certainly is one of the things that our board um, does consider when they discuss capital and, and what we need to do with that capital. Great, thanks. And then just, just one other, if I can, um, just related to competition. Um, as you look at, you know, w what's occurring currently in the market and maybe contrasting it with, um, you know, the earlier part of this year, is it, is it pretty steady competition? Is it, is it easing any? Is it, is it getting any worse? Or is it just kind of state-by-state, market-by-market? Hi, Matt. It's Howard. Uh, no, I, I think that the uh, competition is, is pretty steady and, and generally consistent. It, it, it can vary from state to state, but that also you have to look at the renewal cycles in, in different states uh, in order to judge that because some states uh, have heavy renewal activity in January 1 and other states are more spread out during the year or focus more to July, August when, when physicians historically uh, began their practice after medical school or residency. So I think if you if you take those factors out of it and, and look at what's happening in the marketplace on just the accounts that are renewing and, and the, um, the competitors that we run against, uh, run up against, I don't think we're really seeing much different right now. Okay. Uh, thanks very much for the comments, and congrats on the quarter. Thank you. We'll move next to the site of Matt Rohrman. Please go ahead. Uh, John, good morning. Uh, first question uh, is, uh, I guess, uh, kind of going along the, the competition as well. Uh, Howard, has much changed in terms of competition, not necessarily by state, but by specialty? Uh, no, I don't, I wouldn't say so. Uh, I think, as mentioned in the earlier remarks, um, in, in a few lines of business, we're seeing rate increases, um, both our own and, and from competitors in the podiatry line and the lawyer's professional line. But if you look at the, uh, the MD physicians, uh, not really much different by specialty that I would say, and, and the hospital business uh, is still quite competitive all over. Uh, I think the hospital uh, professional liability is, is the area where historically and still we see the most activity from the, uh, the multi-line uh, larger commercial carriers who have historically been in and out of the hospital business. Gotcha. And then uh, I guess uh, any uh, comments on, uh, you know, any, any of the moving parts down in Florida? And I know uh, Frank sent out stuff uh, regarding Amendment 5 there. Any thoughts on that? That's the uh, Supreme Court uh, amendment. I think it's too soon to say what change uh, or what effect that could have. Okay. Generally speaking, uh, we are reluctant uh, to ascribe the potential impacts to legislation or constitutional uh, 
uh, efforts until we see what the courts have to say about them, uh, because there's there's a wide variety of legislative efforts over the years that look very different after the courts deal with them than they look before the courts had that opportunity. Gotcha. Uh, and then uh, lastly, uh, Ned, I know everybody loves to talk about uh, the, the special dividends, um, but I guess any, any comments around uh, perhaps bringing, uh, you know, a, a, an increase of, of any size to the regular dividend uh, that you guys uh, have been uh, doing over the past year? That, um, that is that is something else that, that our that our board looks at on a on a quarter to quarter basis. It's, it's certainly something that our board uh, has given and will give consideration to. All right, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. We'll move next to the site of Mark Hughes. Please go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Good morning. Morning, Mark. The uh, equity and unconsolidated sub line um, was uh, better this quarter. What's the outlook there? Should we assume uh, this is the new level, or um... no? You, you, you shouldn't. Thanks for for that question, Mark, because um, I think I think it's important to note a um, couple of things there. There's really, if you look at it, there are kind of three pieces, and, and you can see some details in the queue of, of it. But um, the, the, for the quarter in particular, the tax credit limited partnerships that we have, um, those amortize over time, and uh, we get during the third quarter, essentially audited financials from each one of those limited partnerships. And as a result of those audited, up until that point, we're making estimates uh, of how, what that amortization should be. And, and based upon um, those audited financials that we get in the third quarter, we make an adjustment um, to the amortization. And so you saw that this quarter, and that really is the, the, the biggest driver in the quarter. Um, you know, we. Our investments in other limited partnerships did show a positive result this quarter uh, as compared to a, a, a loss in the third quarter last year. Um, so, but, but that is, you know, those returns are volatile. So I think really the most meaningful component is just this amortization adjustment that we've got related to the tax credit limited partnerships. And, and next quarter we'll return to probably what is more of a run rate on those. That's about page 51 in the 10Q. Okay. Um, and then uh, how about pricing for the uh, – you've certainly touched on it, but uh, at least as reported in the press release for the, the core doctor business up 1% through nine months as compared to flat through six months. Was it a little bit better in 3Q? Uh, it, it was a little bit. And uh, as mentioned earlier, um, the some of this is, is affected by the uh, pattern of renewals in, in different states. Uh, and also mentioned that the podiatric business uh, is seeing some rate increases and there's a concentration, a greater concentration of podiatric renewals in the third quarter than in the other quarters of the year. So I think, you know, once you adjust for mix of business, it may have been slightly better in this quarter, but nothing that dramatic. And then uh, finally, any update on the consolidation trend of the uh, smaller doctor practices? You know, I think that uh, it varies from geographical region to geographical region around uh, the country. Uh, to the extent it was ever an issue, last night's election, I think, assures that there's going to be no repeal or significant uh, revision 
to the core tenets of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, so my guess is, and it's just a guess, that physician integration uh, will continue uh, around the country. Now, you know, it, it won't be a straight line. There'll be some ins and outs and that sort of thing. But I think uh, there is every indication that that integration uh, will continue apace. And it's our firm intent uh, to be here not only for the historically small group solo position, but for the physicians who have chosen to align themselves with larger organizations. And I think uh, we're one of the few uh, companies uh, on the competitive landscape that have a unique opportunity there, and we'll, we'll sort all that out as time goes along. Thank you. And again, it's star and one to ask a question. We'll move next to the side of Raymond Iardala. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks and good morning. A um, couple quick questions. I think, uh, Ned, you had mentioned uh, a few things about the board uh, potentially meeting to discuss, you know, potential capital act management action issues uh, going forward. When's the next time the, the board is scheduled to meet? Our board meets on a, on a quarterly basis. But we, okay. don't, we, don't, we don't publish the dates of our board meeting. Okay, fair enough. Um, and maybe let me uh, approach uh, sort of the capital question a little bit differently. It looks like you guys, um, you know, dividended up $160 million of capital in October from the insurance sub subsidiaries based on sort of my math, roughly $600 million right now at the holding company. Um, and then, you know, obviously the two transactions scheduled to close potentially later this year and early next year. Um, but still, you know, $400 million roughly at the holding company. Can you just maybe comment on what you guys feel is acceptable to hold in terms of expenses and, you know, potential dividend payments? Or is that not the right way to think about it? You know, I, I think what we've been really looking to do is, is, you know, manage the capital in our insurance subsidiaries. Um, given the, the fact that we're in an extremely competitive marketplace and, and the top line is, is not growing um, in our organic business, uh, we're trying to manage the capital in those insurance subsidiaries, pull it out when we can. We always have the ability to push it back down if the opportunity for uh, – you know, organic growth presents itself. In the meantime, we've got a war chest available to us for, for M&A and other capital management activities. Okay, that, that's helpful. Um, and then I think, uh, uh, Ned, you had also mentioned about, you know, an increase in some uh, loss payments in the quarter that kind of drove operating cash flow a little bit lower. Just kind of curious, is there anything else in the pipeline sort of claims that you see that, you know, would, would that trend continue? And I know you mentioned some reinsurance recoverables. That, that should offset over the next couple of quarters, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, so the reinsurance recoveries will come in over the next couple of quarters. Um, the group that does our reinsurance collections does a fabulous job on it, we, we tend to see those uh, recoveries within the next quarter. So I, I think the bulk of that we'll hopefully see in the fourth quarter. Um, okay. as, as far as the, your other question on trends, you know, it, it is just it is too hard to predict when when claim, claim payments, especially these larger payments that might be out there, larger losses that are in the appeal process. It's the, kind of the timing of those and the resolution of those. It's, it's, it's just too hard to predict. Okay. No, I, I can appreciate that. And then uh, last one, if I can sneak this one in, just for, for Howard, any development in terms of the, the lawyer's professional liability book? I know it's, you know, pretty pretty small, but anything you can point out there? Uh, at this at this point, uh, wait, are you talking about 
the book of business and, and how it's developing in the market, or are you talking about lost development? Oh, lost development, historical prior year development. Uh, we, we did not um, uh, recognize any lost development on the, on the LPL at this point. We'll be looking at that again when we get to year end. Okay. Thanks again. We'll go next to the site of Howard Flinker. Please go ahead. Thanks. Hi, everybody. Hi, Howard. Um, are you guys, Stan and the rest of you, are you thinking of um, testing out some additional new lines for Pro Assurance? Uh, you have plenty of capital. You have uh, real discipline in underwriting. And uh, most of property casualty companies in the uh, rest of the industry are not so eager to, uh, to expand other than to raise rates. Do you have any thoughts along those lines besides the uh, – uh, insurance for lawyers. Uh, thanks, Howie, uh, and I hope you survived last week's storms. Yeah, but thanks for the heads up. I got very lucky. Good, good. Not not uh, a second of uh, not a second of uh, discomfort. I was extremely lucky. Great. Right. You know, uh, we look at everything, we worry about everything, we think about everything, uh, and we try to be very deliberate and very intentional. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big believer in saying we'll never do something because we don't know what tomorrow brings. Sure. I'm not a big believer in saying we'll always do something because, again, we don't know what tomorrow brings. Right. Uh, the only thing that's non-negotiable is our integrity. Uh, everything else we will look at from the standpoint of what's in the best long-term interest of our shareholders. And as we think about the evolving world of health care, we clearly have decided that we are going uh, to be a major player in that world from a medical liability standpoint, regardless sure. of whether it's a solo practitioner or a physician or a home health care worker or anyone else along the entire spectrum of health care. Agreed. As long as they're doctors, they're going to need you. That's, that's exactly right. And, you know, as other opportunities present themselves, and they do on a fairly regular, ba regular basis, uh, we look at those and analyze them in terms of whether it's something that is in the best interest of our shareholders and whether it's something that will accommodate or complement uh, our traditional business. And so nothing's off the table. I was thinking more out of, more in the line of something that doesn't complement your business. Uh, let's say, I don't know, XYZ uh, insurer has a really good underwriting record, and you say, oh, yeah, we know those guys in, uh, I don't know, Albuquerque. I'm just choosing a place. And uh, let's talk to them, see if we can do something uh, additional. Any, anything, uh, anything along those lines? Well, I've never been to Albuquerque, so I can't say about that. All right, I, so make it Seattle. <laughs> the, uh, uh, I'll repeat what I said a moment ago. We will, we will consider everything. Okay. And, you know, I think something complements our business as long as it doesn't detract from our business. Right. Agreed. And so that's sort of the, the basis for that. Okay. Fair enough. Thanks, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. We'll move next to Mark Hughes. Please go ahead. Oh, thank you. Uh, Ned, what's the right tax rate, do you think, for next year? <laughs> for next year? <laughs> yeah. He didn't get elected last night. <laughs> our tax rate is the municipal bonds that we hold and the, and the tax credits that we hold. Those are the two most influential impacts uh, to our statutory rate. And I really don't, we don't foresee any significant changes in those allocations. 
it's been kind of high 20s through the first nine months. Is that uh, likely to be sustained? You know, again, it, it, it's really driven by those allocations to municipal bonds and tax credits and, and, and what those numbers are on those relative to what overall earnings are. And so it's very hard to predict. It, um, you know, it, it, it is impacted by our ongoing operations. It's impacted by favorable development. Um, so it's, it's hard to say exactly what the, the run rate is going to be. But from a modeling standpoint, you know, you can model – the impact of the municipal bonds, you can model the impact of the tax credits, I think, on a fairly consistent run rate, and then everything else is going to get taxed at 35 percent, well, except for the, the dividends received deduction on our equity. Thank you. We'll go next to Sam Hoffman. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. Uh, I have a question on uh, the MedMal insurance industry and, and, and the trends that you're seeing. Uh, across the insurance industry, uh, it, it, it's been predicted and, and actually observed uh, that the cycle has been less pronounced uh, this time around uh, than it was in the 1997 to 2001 period. The companies are more disciplined. They're, they remember the, the mistakes that they made before. Uh, and uh, obviously have better analytics and are more focused on uh, profitability over growth. And you, you commented earlier on the call that uh, you felt that some companies uh, this time around are currently making mistakes that would likely put them out of business. And my, my question is, uh, can, you, can you give your over, overall commentary on the MedMal industry in terms of uh, the amount of increased competition that you're seeing, you know, is it just enough to prevent you from growing, uh, and do you think it's less likely to be harmful uh, to you guys and others uh, who are disciplined uh, this time around? Thank you for the question. You know, I didn't say anybody was going to go out of business. I said there'd be a day of reckoning. <laughs> you know, we're, we're in this business where uh, we take a risk for a price. In other words, you are a potential insured, you want to transfer a risk to us, we quote you a price. The difficulty in the long tail business is we quote you that price years before we know what that policy is going to cost us. So there is always a degree of uncertainty. And it's easy to delude yourself in this business that you're getting the proper pricing for your product. We think it's key for our policyholders and our shareholders that we price the product with discipline. Now, if one chooses not to price it with discipline, then there will be a day of reckoning, just as there always has been. Uh, you know, there's, there's a great um, desire on the part of many to say about whatever is happening in the world that this time it's different. And, you know, nothing is ever precisely the same as it was before. Uh, but the insurance cycle, in my view, is very much alive and well. And while it may develop at a different rate or different speed, it will continue to be a cyclical business simply because uh, there is no precise way of knowing of, of what you ought to price your product at and what risk really carry in terms of potential losses. So what you have to do is, is, is act in a very disciplined way and protect your balance sheet, protect your financial statement, and continue to differentiate your product. Uh, we very strongly believe here that, that when you buy a policy of medical professional liability insurance from ProAssurance, uh, you're getting a product that is very different from the product offered by others. And we go to great lengths to explain that. 
uh, to our customers, and to this point in time, we have been successful at it. But underlying all of that uh, has to be the conviction uh, that if you can't get what you regard as the proper pricing for the product, you have to walk away. You know, sometimes in this business, you make the most money on the business you do not write, and we have to be mindful of that as we go forward. We can't predict the cycle. We don't know when it will turn. We don't know the, the pace or the velocity of the turn. What we do know is that we've had a lot of experience in this business, and we will utilize that experience uh, in a way that best serves our shareholders. Terrific. Thank you. And we'll go next to Raymond Iardella. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks for taking the follow-up. Um, just maybe a quick question for Stan or, or Vic. Um, can you maybe talk about the M&A environment, uh, where it stands today relative to, you know, last quarter? Is, uh, you know, what is the pipeline looking at like, and uh, are you seeing any change in sort of the demand or, you know, uh, supply out there in the market in terms of medical professional liability properties? Uh, I'll let Vic give you his view of the world, and, and he spends a lot of his time on that for us. But I would say this to you. It's the opportunities are episodic. You cannot make them happen. You cannot predict them. Uh, you just have to be in a position to take advantage of them when they come along. And that it, by in a position, I mean financially and organizationally. Uh, we think there will be plenty of opportunities in the future, but you can't, you can't begin to predict them on a year-to-year -year basis, much less a quarter-to-quarter -quarter basis. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Let me make, give a little color around it. Uh, two things are going on that are a little bit contradictory to each other in the M&A space. Uh, companies, property and casualty insurance companies generally are well capitalized now because of the decrease in frequency over the last number of years. So there's not immediate pressure. On the other hand, as I interface and we all interface with other companies in our business, everybody's looking down the road and saying, can my company, and this is even more so for smaller organizations, survive in a world of larger medical groups and consolidation? And I think there's a lot of talk around tables, board tables at companies about what their future is. So it's a, it's a, it's a little bit going both directions. There's discussion, as there always is. Um, we're just in this, as Stan says, it's a long-term process that we remain very active in as opportunities permit. Okay. I appreciate the, uh, the additional color. There are no further questions. Thank you at this time. Very good, Toya. We thank everybody. Wish you a happy holiday season. We will speak to you after the first of the year.